Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Captain Marvel, directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck and released in 2019. The plot of the movie goes something like this. Carol Danvers becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. And as we usually do, we'll do a quick spoiler-free bit up front. I would normally say at this point, should you see this movie? But yes, you should see this movie and you probably will. But we'll do a bit of a spoiler-free review first. Yeah, um, this is like, I really enjoyed this movie. It's really fun. Um, there's some really, really good chemistry going on, especially between Brie Larson and um, Sam Jackson, who are fantastic together. Like, to me, this movie really sparks when it's kind of a buddy cop comedy. Um, I think that's that's where it's really, really good. There's a whole scene in an uh, um, airport, or secret airport facility thing that's really, really nice. I really liked that scene. All of that stuff is really good. And, and then when you bring in um, um, the woman who plays Maria, Shauna, and uh, another secret person <laughs> we'll talk about later in the spoilers, it really, really comes together and it really starts to, you know, spark and it's it's just so much fun. And the action stuff was okay. It wasn't my favorite. I thought the kind of bookends to the movie were not, as great there's a kind of over-reliance on like cg stuff which is kind of a shame because brie larson can really kick some butt um i know that's kind of who captain marvel is she has all these powers and stuff but it kind of dehumanizes it a lot for me but uh all the like the human stuff the interactions and that sort of thing all the alien human stuff is really really nice so i really liked that aspect of it um and it's really enjoyable it's definitely i'd say a good marvel origin story movie it's not my favorite origin story, but it was enjoyable. I liked it. Yeah, I love this. I've been a fan of these comics since not long after they came out. So I've been not very patiently waiting for this for about six years, this movie. And I really did enjoy it. I, I, I can see that it has a couple of little problems. I thought the off-world stuff is not nearly as good as the on-earth stuff. Uh, and a lot of that's down to visuals. Like the cinematography is a bit muddy and the CG kind of is not as good as I would hope it is. But yeah, it had, to me, Black Panther-esque CG problems. Yeah. And, well, I think similarly both of them got smaller budgets than some yeah. of the, the other Marvel films um, for reasons I think we can all guess <laughs> at. Uh, but that said, as, as, as a fan of the comic books, and even if you aren't, I just had such a great time with this. Brie Larson is wonderful. It really, I agree with you, it really kicks into gear once Sam Jackson comes onto, mm. the, onto the scene. Uh, there's a cat called Goose, which is has been who's been a star of – the promos and obviously I was very into that. I really liked the friendship between her and uh, Maria Rambo mm. that we see and I just thought, yeah, I just, I've seen this twice now and I just it starts off a little slow but by the end I'm, my heart has grown three sizes. I'm so happy. I actually thought it started off too fast. <laughs> And that's the problem with it. Like it's oh yeah, is in yes because you don't you don't know any yeah maybe that, yeah you don't you're you're sort of. It, it starts with Carol waking up and then the audience as well. we just thrown into this, yeah. you know. It's very frenetic to me at the beginning. Yeah. Even just the editing is very fast. It's like, quick, quick, we got to get to Earth and we got to get to Sam Jackson. Yeah. You know, that is how the beginning feels to me because once we get there and it settles into itself, it becomes really enjoyable. Yeah. But the beginning is, and, and with one exception that I'll talk about later, the beginning is just too much too fast like fly information flying at you when you're like i'm on an alien planet settle down for a minute i don't know what's going yeah, on yeah it took me yeah maybe that's what it, maybe i was 
I didn't enjoy it as much and therefore once it gets really kicks into gear with mm. Samuel L. Jackson coming in. But otherwise, like, yeah, this has just been a great experience and if you are a fan of the comics, it's everything you'd hoped for and if you aren't a fan of the comics, and which I've seen lots and lots of people going along to it, I've seen, and this is something I just love, like teenage boys going along mm. voluntarily and loving it. I've seen like parents taking their boys to it. It's just so exciting to me mm. uh, that it's just like this is the next Marvel movie and everyone's having a really good time watching it, so I'm delighted by that. Yeah. Was the opening – oh, sorry, we'll, we'll get into a spoiler Yeah, section. so we're going to start talking spoilers now on, on Captain Marvel. Uh, so if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to be spoiled, stop the podcast now and come back when you have. Um, was the opening to Black Panther the scene where he picks up Nakia? Is that the first scene? I can't remember. No, me either. Oh, well, I'll go back and look at it. Yeah, so, so now that we're in the spoilers, obviously the fourth person in the uh, awesome foursome – of this movie is clearly Ben Mendelsohn, who is amazing in this movie and so much fun. And it's so much fun because, especially because Ben Mendelsohn has just been in so many movies recently where he's been bad guy, bad guy, bad guy. Mm -hmm. um, the first ones that come to mind are Ready Player One and uh, Rogue One, but I'm sure there's another one that we've seen recently where he's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. And then in this one, they take that expectation, oh, Ben Mendelsohn's going to be a bad guy, and then they flip it around, which is really cool. Um, and then he becomes like part of the gang and he has this kind of Aussie blokey thing that he's adding to a scroll thing that is really interesting and weird and funny. And I really enjoyed that. He, to me, is like one of the standouts in this movie. He's so great. Yes. Yeah. He was, it's a wonderful use of Ben Mendelsohn um, and playing with that, those expectations. And we'll get into later. It's also a very good use of Jude Law. But because, of course, you, you see the, the previews, you see the marketing, you think, oh, Ben Mendelsohn's in it, he's definitely going to be the bad guy. Yeah. And that turnaround at the beginning or the end of the second act, the beginning of the third act, is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and I love that also they let him use his Australian accent. He's under a lot of makeup for a lot of the time when he's not, you know, playing another character because he's a scroll and can turn into other characters. And it just, I think it relaxes him a bit when he's not mm -hmm. trying to do American or British or some other accent in there. And also he's under a whole lot of prosthetics and it's hard enough to talk under prosthetics. Uh, yeah. So it just, it just makes things easier. But it was, I don't know, that just tickled me as well. Well, it's not just that they let him use his Australian accent, but it's actually deployed really well because it's used a couple of times to show you that that's him because mm. he sounds different from everybody else around him, which is really clever mm. when you've got this scroll thing going on and you're not sure who's who, right? Like yeah. it's, it's a really clever use of the Australian accent that sets him apart, mm. but also he gets to be more natural. Um, yeah, the prosthetics made his upper lip unmovable, apparently, and it made it really hard. To, like his words didn't match up with mm. his mouth movement a lot of the time yeah. when he was in that makeup, and that was a bit distracting. But yeah, and he, he already yeah he already has a bit of a lisp, so but that's good because that makes the again the voice distinctive. And then there is a part where he is actually in his own body and supposed to be body snatching an American character mm. and he's doing the, the, his an American accent and it all just works really, really well when they deploy the Australian accent. It's just great. I, I didn't think I'd be so happy about that bit and I am. Yeah, no, that was a really wonderful thing for me. Yeah, when you get that four, the, I mean, I think he and Lashana Lynch and uh, Brie Larson and Sam Jackson, once they're all together as a team, are so much fun. Mm -hmm. Like it's such a weird little team, but it works surprisingly well. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciated that. They're really nice together. Yeah. Um, and I suppose Monica kind of tagging along at the back as well. Like that's a really cute 
combination an odd group but a really it fun works, one just works so so well mm. yeah anything with sam jackson and brie larson is really good the whole road movie bit that they have at the start or sorry in the middle when she first arrives on earth and yet they go to the secret facility mm. where they're finding out about these secret planes that are being made and what the project project pegasus that she was on and all that stuff that's a great little scene definitely this sort of earth slash human bound stuff is the best bit yeah the beginning to me apart from, i mean there's so much cg there's so much makeup going on there's so much like unfamiliar stuff that we're looking at um even if you've seen guardians of the galaxy it's another thing still like the mm. kree homeworld and all that sort of thing yeah and, and guardians as well like i do remember the opening scene of guardians it's actually it, it is on an alien planet but it introduces us with like the cool soundtrack and chris pratt dancing yeah uh, whereas, and this has an incredibly cool soundtrack, but it doesn't kick in at the beginning and it also doesn't show that sort of human moment first. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's sort of a I, – I do just feel like the beginning was a bit rushed. And um, they, they kind of – I think they kind of knew that because then they decided to go with that memory thing mm. um, because one of the best parts of the opening is this seek or the first act, I suppose, mm. is this sequence where it shows – all of Carol's memories or starts to piece together Carol's memories from Earth because the scrolls are looking through her mind. Mm. Um, but the way that it all kind of works, the way that they meld plot stuff with character information and all that sort of thing is really nice. Mm. It's just very neatly woven into itself. And so that I really appreciated. Um, I would have liked to have seen a little more of that sprinkled through the movie like a little bit more of her as a kid and stuff so that that moment at the end when like oh you're only human and she stands up and mm, it's all the after having fallen down yeah. yeah exactly and it's all the clips of her standing up through her mm. history would have had a little bit more impact because it could have i mean it was pretty impactful as it was but it could have had so much more impact if we'd seen it happen through the film as well mm. um and been reminded of it since that memory bit yeah I really like this character. I came out afterwards and was talking to my husband about how I always related more to Carol than um, than Wonder Woman because Carol has these sort of human qualities about her. She's arrogant. She's competitive. She messes up a lot more. And those little girl moments are really great. Like you see her wanting to go further, faster, higher, and falling down and picking us and the picking herself up again at the end is just so good. Um, yeah, we don't see so much of that through the middle of the movie because, of course, now she has powers. There is a little callback when she finally meets up with Maria and they you know, they call back to how she liked to wake up early in the morning and banging on the door and getting ready to fight. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, that would have been nice, just somewhere in the middle, something like that. Yeah, exactly. It, w- it just would have tied it together a little more for me. Mm. I suppose she does land in a blockbuster and then shoot a life-size poster of Arnold Schwarzenegger but you know but we don't see her I I just think that a repeated shot of her actually getting up Mm -hmm. you know but yeah one of the problems with this film and with this character is stakes because she's seemingly unkillable and unhurtable Mm. she manages to get herself out of everything without as much difficulty as you might hope for yeah. Like, there's not a lot of struggle there. So the stakes are really kind of, especially once she goes Super Saiyan, the stakes kind of are like, well, if any, if nothing can hurt her, what are we trying to do here? Yeah. And there's some things that, there's a couple of moments, like 
that bother me in particular. There's one where she's escaping from the scrolls at the beginning where she's got no shoes on mm. and she gets sort of half flung out a door and manages to hold on. But there's minute, there's a couple of minutes before she actually puts her helmet and the rest of her skin covering on and I'm like, there's no way she'd survive that. Her feet mm. would not survive that. And then at the end they do a big hero shot of her flying into space without the helmet and one of the bits of comics canon is that that helmet is necessary for her to breathe in space. She has many, many superpowers, but she cannot breathe unassisted in space and so she has the helmet thing to help her. Hmm. And it's just a little thing, but it is a stakes thing and it was sort of jarring to me that at the end she flies off with no helmet and they have a big hero shot with her hair waving loose and stuff. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it, I mean, at this point she's essentially Superman with no kryptonite. Yeah. Like there's yeah. not – you have to make her vulnerable to something mm. and not just emotionally vulnerable. But I kind of feel like Wonder Woman has a similar problem. And, you know, Superman has a similar problem, except they worked that out and went, I know, kryptonite. We'll give him kryptonite mm. as his um, weakness. So yeah. at least having her not be able to breathe in space would be something because then there's a threat of her being ejected into space and mm. dying. Um, yeah, exactly. Which was used in Guardians again with Gamora. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's a little thing, but it would have made a big difference, I think. Yeah, exactly. I just think having something that, you know, because when she is destroying everything, you're like, well, she's going to win. Mm. <laughs> Look at her. I mean, she's unbelievable. Of course she's going to win. Yeah. So the stakes kind of, it's fun, but like it's got, the stakes are gone. And up until that point, it seems more like she thinks she can be beaten rather than that she actually can. Yeah, a, a lot of her it, – it, it's an interesting story, especially when you talk about it as like a, a story from a woman's perspective. A lot of her limitations are like people trying to squash her natural exuberance and her natural mm. competitiveness and arrogance and emotion. desire to push. Yeah, it's all emotional. And her desire to push herself, which is good on that level of like – it's a very female experience to be an incredibly powerful superhero and have everybody convincing you that you are not really that as powerful as you are. It's classic gaslighting. But it does make the movie a little bit less like at the end where she pushes a missile back into space and then totally takes out all the other missiles and that's how we defeat Ronan and that's mm. it. <laughs> like that seems a little too easy. Yeah. It is sort of the anti-Star Wars I suppose, and that she has to embrace all of that stuff and let herself free rather than contain everything. Yeah, but, uh, and there is a wonderful if, Star Wars reference in that end bit where Gemma Chan's plane chases Lashana Lynch's plane through yeah. the planet. And I, I think I was mostly excited by that because how often do you get to see like two women of color pilots chasing each other in one of those scenes? That was exciting. Yeah, they did uh, Gamora up Gemma Chan, but yes. They did, um, yes. Gemma Chan is blue in this. <laughs> I wrote they blew it. <laughs> but then decided that wasn't as funny as I thought it was. It's pretty um, funny. Um, I, I don't know why they made her blue. Obviously, there are blue Cree and non-blue Cree, and it, she's – I don't know why you would muck around with that, but anyway. Well, probably – I mean, maybe she's a comic book character. I don't know these things. But, no. um, yeah, that well, that ties into uh, um, Jude Law and the use of Jude Law as well. As yeah. That he, they kind of tap into that smarmier side of Jude Law as the gaslighting yeah. arrogant yeah, he's like a yeah, he's like the bad boyfriend, you know. He's always telling her that she's not good enough, and yeah, gaslighting her. Um, and he's so it, it does tap into that arrogant, smarmy side of him mm. very well. I think it reminded me a bit of um, what's that? The is it Laura, the book where the the woman marries the or the movie as well, where the woman marries the guy who's like still got a wife locked up somewhere, mm. and they're talking about the old misses. 
Rebecca. Rebecca, thank you. Yeah. Laura's the Jean Tierney movie. Yeah, we Re- Rebecca. About last week. The wife isn't locked up. She's been murdered by the husband. But oh, the and then wife is locked up, up in Jane Eyre. Um, but sorry, it's all basically spoilers the same. on fifty-plus-year-old books. Um, <laughs> Those are all very similar stories. Yeah, they are. Yeah, well, except but, Laura. Laura is a completely yeah, different. It is. Thing. It is that sort of classic uh, gaslighting thing. Yeah. Um, it, he, it's not a romantic relationship, and one of the things that delights me about this movie is that there is no love story. Mm. Yes, there is. There definitely is. They just like you know pulled back the reins on the whole lesbian thing because her story with Maria Rambo is so so gay, like. I, I, well, to me, because I a thought that they lived together, like the yeah, whole movie. Was I funny. was funny. I did not thinking realize that they, that. <laughs> that they lived. Well, they had all of her stuff at their house. They had a box full of her stuff, and they had her. They made. They talked about how she had no family, and I therefore know. Maria took her stuff in. Then also, there's a whole bit where she's like, she's knocking on Maria's door, so they're yes. not sleeping. They're not even sleeping in the same house. I yeah, but I thought that was like her bedroom. I was also actually thinking, but then of they're that not sleeping like, in the same bedroom, right? But this, I mean, being in the same house and raising a kid together. Well, that's what I thought. But because yeah, I didn't. They think have they were like her together. childhood photos and her, and her clothes and stuff. But, like it's not just yeah. But somebody that somebody got all her personal effects yeah. and there was no family to send them to. So Maria was who they sent them to. I understand that, yeah. but you also have to remember that there's a lot of information that comes at you in this movie, and I miss like half of it. Like when they say, if, if right. they ever said at one point, "Oh, we have a box of your stuff," I missed that. No, the little girl just goes, "I'm going to go and look at all, look through all your things that I know that yeah. li- live here," and I'm like, "Oh, she lived there." Yeah, so I'm probably bringing you yeah, a bit of pre knowledge in there. Where I, t- Carol, um, it's not that I don't think she could be gay; it's that she's not really suited to relationships very well. The Carol that I know, anyway. But yeah, I, I can see absolutely how you would read it that way. But and they, they had so much chemistry. Yeah, they are <laughs> it was so funny. They're really good together. She um, was so like Marie. It was so overcome when she came back. It was so gorgeous. Um, just so sweet. I really hope Lashana Lynch gets. I, I, like it's going to be hard because presumably they're setting up for you know Monica Rambo was Captain Marvel in Phase Twelve or whatever. But Maria and Lashana Lynch, who played her, was really good, and I really want to see more of her. I want her to get more parts. And get more more time in the MCU and, and more parts like this because she's so good. I just had this idea of them like full Captain America, Captain America in Carol, and she comes back and starts up a romantic relationship with Monica, at, a la Peggy and Peggy's niece, which oh, is not. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah, which yeah. we've talked about. It is horrible it is creepy. and creepy. It's so weird. Yep, it's anyway, weird. Um, no, I mean, let's hope not because yes. Maria is wonderful, and we should try and keep her around. Yes. No, I agree. I I would like to see more of her. I just don't know. Like, it'd probably be an old makeup a la Peggy. And then they or kind flashbacks. of depower Peggy once she gets older. Like, they don't mm-hmm. give her as much. I mean, she still has an emotional weight and impact on the story. But it's at the same time, she, like, you know, it isn't the Peggy that we used to know. Yeah. Um, And that would be sad for Maria. Speaking of, on a lighter note, I loved the way that they showed a younger Nick Fury in this movie. Oh, yeah. Younger Nick Fury feels like such a fleshed out real character who is very much like a younger version of the Nick Fury we know. Like, you see a lot of the time these movies where they have like a younger version of a character and it just seems like a totally different person or exactly the same person. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't show any kind of growth. But this Nick Fury feels very much like a guy who is still more lighthearted and funnier and was a spy, right? And, like, has all these elements of being the Nick Fury that we will later know, that very sardonic, sarcastic, mm. gruff guy. But it's lighter 
and he hasn't got that weight of experience and all the knowledge of all the threats to the world and and that seriousness to Mm. him yet. And it's really nicely done. And Sam Jackson does such a good job. He's having so much fun in this movie. He sings and he dances and he's just having a great time and let cutting loose in a way that Nick Fury, older Nick Fury, never allowed him to do. Yeah. But still very much tying into the fact that that's who he is. Yeah, you can see why this guy went in this direction. You can see the uh, the uh, trust mistake that he made that led to the loss of his eye, which we'll get into in a minute. And you learn more about him than you've ever learned. He, he's still kind of the guy that he was. You see a bit of his background in there. Like you see him in Maria's house. He's just like knocking back iced teas and you learn that he's from the South. And so he clearly feels very comfortable in Maria's house in Louisiana drinking iced tea. He is sort of chill, but you can see that he still likes cars and you can uh, see that he doesn't like to, doesn't quite like to play by the rules as a shield agent. And he's still, he's still feeling out Colson, the new guy who really, who does seem to like him. And, And yeah, and he's very smart in terms of his ability to spy um and it's set up very well too like nicholas joseph fury and then nobody calls everybody calls me fury and then there's the scene with um with ben mendelson calling him nicholas yeah that gives the whole game away which then comes back again later when they're like it'll be just yeah. like in um geneva or geneva, something like yeah, that a non-b city havana it is he's really good and the de-aging is done really well too my understanding on him <laughs> on him my understanding is they use the long kiss goodnight which came out in 1995 when this is set and and was a, from my memory a really fun movie with Sam Jackson in it mm. as the reference point and he it, it looks really good i don't get any uncanny valley with him the way i did with um with colson who's Ooh, yeah. not not nearly as accomplished look um, it's on the no, cg it's no willem defoe in aquaman but it still has that kind of smoothing yeah, it's effect. a bit of a Princess Leia in Rogue One effect. It's just, yeah. And, yeah. and like, they obviously, he, um, Nick Fury is one of the main characters, so they needed to put the money and the time into this. And Phil Coulson is a smaller part. Okay, but look at his hairline in The Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, it's receding, isn't it? Right. Like, he, this was what, <laughs> this was something that threw me in this. The only thing about the mm. de aging of Fury is that his hairline sits really low. Oh, so yeah. I don't, I think it might be the actor. Like, I, I you know, usually they have like a younger actor that they mm. actually project yes. the face onto. And I'm wondering if it's that because the hairline sits too low for it to, for Sam Jackson's hairline. Like it just is too far forward on his forehead and like the lines there don't match up properly. <laughs> uh, yes, but I don't think there was another actor on okay, the set. It might, so it might just be yeah. that they, the way they uh, did the hairline for the whole movie is too far forward and it just doesn't. Yeah. Because what happens is like when he has expressions, mm. his hairline doesn't move naturally and doesn't sit naturally uh, right, yeah. it's the only thing about the de-aging on him and it's, it's pretty minor <laughs> really yeah, minor. i didn't um, notice this but yeah I, I i i see this is the thing with all the de-aging of ever that yeah. i've ever seen or any of these these you seem recreations to really like zero in on it and yeah. when you're watching it yeah there's always something about it that just like there's never been one that's totally convincing yet for me Ah. Um, and that for this for this movie, at least they got the mouth right. Thank God. See, I just I didn't but. have any problems buying it at all. But as far as using another actor on set, I don't know, and my internet's gone to poop, so I can't actually look it up right now. But I don't know. But given how big a part of the film he is, and how much chemistry he and Brie Larson seem to have on the press tour, how many times mm. they've worked together, it feels like 
they couldn't, like he, they needed his on-set performance. Even if they did use someone to help capture some of that, I don't think the performance on set was by someone else, which is another reason I think this works better. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that's probably the case, but there is something that's not, it's just not fitting mm. right. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's a relatively minor concern. I'm just talking about generally, yeah. you know, de-aging is such a tricky thing. Well, yeah, I think we um we can look this up and maybe put something in the show notes about it because I'd, I'd actually yeah. like to know more. Um, And it did look like it's the most natural one I've seen yet, I would say. Like it's mm. the, it, he was the most convincing I've seen yet. And he just his performance is so sparkly and wonderful and I loved it. But, um, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go through my notes because I know there's yeah. things that I've missed. So, wh- and while you, you have a look. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, with the um, the emotions thing. And the Cree being all, you know, don't give in to your emotions, use your head, not your heart, and all that stuff. Yeah, like the Vulcans, yeah. I also, there's a line where um, Jude Law says, humor is a distraction. And I was like, <laughs> I thought that was taking a pot shot at DC, um, which it probably isn't. But, like, it, it seemed very kind of the DC motto for superhero movies or previously. Prior to Aquaman, yeah. Prior to Aquaman was like, humor is a distraction. Everybody must be serious all the time. Yeah, and for an MCU movie, this had a surprisingly low number of jokes. It was funny and it it had, it was definitely peppered with that humor, but it did to me have, like, it was less, like, snappy than, say, an Iron Man. This is more in the realm of Thor and Captain America. I think it's just a different sense of humor to me. I think a lot of the humor in this is more kind of in little things and visuals. It's not like as... It's not so much in the lines. There are some very funny yeah. lines, and the, but yeah, and there's just, little bits like, um, like uh, when Carol, she's fighting off the scrolls, and one of them like shouts at her, and she goes, "Ah!" Yeah, that that was really yeah. funny. And blowing her hair out of her face got a laugh, and all sorts of things that are just like that. It, it's more kind of a physical comedy yeah, yeah, thing, the, the rather than getting, <laughs> getting weightless oh. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. The CG cat stuff. The flurkin bits. The Well, no, not the flurkin bits, actually. Just oh. when Goose wasn't a real cat. Yep. Right? Like, I mean, obviously the flurkin bits are also, they're fine. Um, it was a bit grooty, the the tenta- use of the tentacles. Yep. I preferred when he just ate, when she just ate the um, the tesseract was very funny. Mm-hmm. But uh, the just the floating cat was like, that was like a YouTube video yeah, from looked, 15 years it, it ago. It looked weird, like when when she was like pinned back and stuff, because yeah. it was a not and a way a cat would go. And it, or like and the Garfield the, movie, yeah. And at the very end, when she buffs up the tesseract, because like you can't make a cat buff, they'll do it, but it, yeah, you can't force a cat to do that. That would not be good practice but on also your set. It's gonna be huge. Yeah, mouth. yeah, yeah. That yeah, that bit as well was looked a bit funny, but it also it was just there's cat owners, so hilarious. It is fun, yes, but also it, I think it's hard to do CG on cats well because yeah. what are cats? Like cats are such weird creatures, but yeah, it doesn't yeah, look natural. It is, that's right. And also they needed this animal to kind of, which is a, an, a regulation animal. It's not like Rocket Raccoon or um, Groot or and other sort of animal creatures that are more alien. It's a real animal that like lots of us live with every day, so it's it's much harder, yeah. And again, it didn't have – the CGI budget that they like most of their the money for that clearly went into Nick Fury's face and I think that's a good thing for it to go into yeah it just uh, just just distracting to me um also so they for the most of the movie the Crees are calling Carol Veers yes because only the last part of her 
um, dog tag. Dog tag came with her, and for some reason, they decided that V E R S was pronounced V E R S. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I think they wanted to throw you off because it certainly yeah. threw me off at first. Because I was like, "Does she have a name for a good portion of the movie?" And then I heard Jude Law say V E R S, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, I heard it really early on, and I was like, "Oh, are they calling her V E R S because they only got that bit." <laughs> Uh, her name and then so when maria didn't put it together later i was like especially when she mentions her being called what is it veers and i was like oh come on i didn't put it together so i'm not surprised that maria didn't put it together either yeah i i kind of picked up on that and i was like that's a weird pronunciation also of v-e-i-s yeah but (laughs) v-e-i-s verse means something completely different in certain um subcultures (laughs) But uh, so I can understand why they didn't want to call her that. Yes, essentially, I think I've, I can figure out actually what that means. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about what it means in French because I'm an idiot. But yes, no, I understand. What yeah, you mean. I, I can understand why they wouldn't want to go with that. But uh, yeah, so I, I meant, mentioned that the flashback sequence was great and the screaming in the face. And then my next note is a little too frenetic. So, oh, um, we should also talk about all the references to any movie that has ever had fighter pilots in it previously top gun and And the right stuff video that she holds up like in the video store i've never actually seen the right stuff so i didn't realize that one yeah yeah, but true lies yeah Um, true lies is in there it's a spy that's a spy movie so yeah yeah there's a lot of references the i i liked the blockbuster stuff i almost wish they'd been in there longer so they could do more more movie yeah Yeah, and, and it was fun and it clearly does know it's sort of film grammar about where it's coming from I, I I really liked that. I mean, it was a movie that was full of references. Like, it has this wonderful 90s soundtrack that I really loved, but you were like, yeah, some of the Gen Xs online are, like, calling it too obvious. And it almost is. Like, it's so these are such well-known 90s songs. But they're Marvel. They have the money. Why wouldn't you do it? And there's other little bits, like there's an original Game Boy appears at one point. There's a poster for – there's posters for a whole bunch of, like, albums that came out around that time and yeah. movies and all that kind of stuff. It's That's – fun they're also largely not songs that were like huge pop hits and there's Um, they're very like and it's a very much a focus on songs written by and performed by women yeah as well so it i think it's a line from 10 things i hate about you about angry chick rock it's very 90s angry chick rock which so so no wonder it appealed to me because i that's what i listened to you know garbage and hole and not so much no doubt but i liked no doubt i i like no doubt Um, i i I just they weren't my faves. I played that the what's it called? I can't remember the album now, Tragic but I played Kingdom. it to death. Yeah, Tragic yeah. Kingdom. I played to death. I listened to that a lot. Yeah, I mean, I did because I was, you know, a young teen in 1995, so I did hear it a lot. But um, the, so there's a scene it later on a fight with I'm just a, with just a girl as its soundtrack, and I wanted to like it more than I did because it suffers from the muddy off earth cinematography problem. Yeah, poor editing. Yeah, it doesn't match too. up the beats of the song well, with and, the action. And yep. I'm like, well, why put the song there then? There's also, You've got to match it up properly yep, or and, you don't use the song. And Jude Law at one point moves to a different part of the spaceship <gasps> and it's really hard to tell when that happened and yet there's still this fight going on here with Carol involved, but where's he gone? Yes, so frustrating. And yeah. also it crosses the line at least once. Yeah. Very hard to watch that scene. And, and mm. actually when I say the action scenes, the stuff on Earth is fine. When she's chasing the scroll on the train is great. Yep. And then the, the car chase with Fury and not Coulson as well. That's really interesting because 
they, they really seem to love beating up Fury in cars in these movies, yep. like destroying the car that he's in. Is yeah, a yeah. Big thing. Very much a throwback to Winter Soldier, yeah. which is just. Which is my favorite. Yeah. Um, um, and it, but it also kind of shows you why Fury at that point has this really smart car that is designed, supposed to protect him and all that kind of stuff because he's been through some shit with his cars. Yeah. I made a comment as well that the color scheme, I think the reason that the space stuff is so muddy is so that the Earth stuff looks like it was made in the 90s. Mm. It's got that kind of brownish color grain going on, Yeah. Um, which is, again, it is great for the Earth stuff, but that's kind of one of the reasons why it doesn't look so great. And also um, they don't shoot the stuff at, in the dark very well no, because there's this time. weird scene where Monica is like changing Carol's suit. Yes. And you can't see two other color schemes because it's too dark. The first two color schemes just look like the color scheme of the suit. Yeah. They look like red, blue, and gold, both of them. Then we have a cool neon one, which is amazing. And, and easily the best one. Yeah. But why would she pick red, blue, and gold and then be told to pick red, blue, and gold? It doesn't it make does, any yeah. sense. No. I, I think it was supposed to be an Easter egg to show you different versions of the yeah. Captain Marvel yeah. suit. But, like, it doesn't work for us because we can't see them and, and we don't know what it's referencing. And the are too subtle. I assume it's going back to the original Jamie McKelvey design for the comics but it didn't make any sense and it, it sort of took away from the moment of we're seeing her in the suit for the first time because that is the time that we see it. there are a couple of shots in space that are done well but they're um almost shot for shot a recreation of a comic panel mm. um yeah. like there is an actual hero shot of her in the full suit with the helmet on in the middle of space with her arms out and glowing and all that. And that is taken directly from a comic panel. And that looks good. And her feet very beautifully positioned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, taken directly from a comic panel. There's a couple of those. I didn't take too many notes on these because I really wanted to experience it, especially the first time I saw it. I really I knew I was just going to want to be in my feelings. But, um, yeah, there were a couple of times where I went, oh, that looks good. Especially the second time when I – because the first time I watched it, I went, ooh, the cinematography is not great. The second time I watched it, I was like, oh, that looks good though. And I was like, oh, that's from the comics. I recognize that. Yeah. There is – I do have a note that says who are they projecting Sam onto from his first appearance. Right, so right. Um, I think I noticed the hair thing in the first oh, Yeah, that, Yeah, that stuff always bothers you more than it does me. And yeah. I, I just don't notice it. I don't know why. But um, was too so when she's, feelings. When she's beating up the scroll who looks like the old lady, I wrote, we should see granny panties because there's all these things that the she's woman flipping, flipping around. around and her skirt just magically goes between her legs. And I was like, come on. Yeah, actually, um, the train scene has um, what – we're probably getting close to the last Stan Lee cameo. He's um reading his screenplay from Mole Rats. Yeah, I was and doing Stan for the his end, yeah. lines. But I thought also they did uh, a Stan Marvel intro at the start, mm. which was very very sweet. Yeah, and this the movie's for Stan as well. Yeah, and um, I, I had did wonder when I first watched it if the Stan cameo might have been digitalized a bit because he wasn't well towards the end but we know but then kevin smith tweeted about how he didn't know it was coming he didn't know yeah. that it was going to be in there and they would have had to ask permission to use more rats recordings and stuff like that otherwise so it must have been him doing it so that's nice yeah there's uh, also this was set in australia which is made very obvious by a lot of the extras and the people who have only one line it wasn't set in australia and uh, not sh set shot no yeah, it, it was Australia. partly shot in Australia. It says no. so with the end credit. No, no, two um, visual effects companies that are Australian. Um, oh, the Goblet of Fire people. Yeah, and another one that's in Victoria. There are Australian actors all through this movie. There's I could hear them. Like two Australian actors in this thing. No, it wasn't shot here. It was shot, I believe, in and around Atlanta. Okay. Um, but 
there, I think there, there is a non Ben Mendelsohn Australian actor in there somewhere. That oh yeah, there's hear. a guy who goes smile for me, who is like the most Australian least American yeah. person I've ever heard. Yeah, there were a couple, but mostly no. Um, and like the LA stuff was shot in LA, as far as I know. Um, that Union Station in LA, LA, I've actually been there. I was like, I know that place. Yeah. Um, I thought some but, of it was shot here no, because no, it says in the accents, but um. There's a bit where also where Sam Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn in Ben Mendelsohn form look at the scrolls genitals, which was weird. Oh, but yeah. also it made me go, the next question I have is, does Carol eat, drink, sleep or poop? Because she just like goes on this journey and never does any of those things. I mean, yeah, it's pretty normal not to do any. I wanted to know where she was hiding her suit while she was in the, um, in the Nine Inch Nails t-shirt because it comes back, she puts it back on later. True, but I'm not sorry about. That. I mean, you re- you, I I don't think I've ever seen Captain America stop for a poop either. Um, that is also true. But, but I I swear we've seen him like eat. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. She and does... they have to stop for like sleeping sometimes. Like yeah. it takes place over longer times though. So you assume I mean, that they've done. Yeah, I sort this of assumed that place... she had slept and eaten. Like they do. They sit down to dinner at one point. True, um, at the end at of the, the movie end, they do. Yeah, so it just seems she's very. Actually, that's another re- reference. This seems very Terminator. But that's why I assumed that she shot Arnie when she first landed on Earth because it is a very Terminator kind of landing on Earth. Yeah, in a in a cut parking lot in a random part of LA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and that Terminatorness, like she just goes and goes and goes, and she doesn't try. Like you'd think she'd stop and like grab some food from someone or something just to show some humanity but they decided not to do that i hadn't thought about Um, that stuff at all um yeah there's also that very convenient bit to give us a lot of backstory on fury where he he tells her all these things and you're like but she's not gonna know any of this stuff is true like it you know because it's the memories from before that that the scrolls only have a certain a limited amount of memory Mm -hmm. from the their host but or from the person they're impersonating but like She's not going to know that anything that Fury's telling her is true anyway. It's just so we, the audience, know stuff. Yeah. Um, I was also confused because I was like, didn't S.H.I.E.L.D. already have alien tech? Because Peggy had Tesseract tech, tech from the from world war ii like when peggy found when they founded shield it was partly around the weapons that they had that they had um um, red skull had in world war ii so i was a little bit confused that he was like completely ignorant to the existence of aliens aliens yeah that was Um, yeah that got to me as well unless they all thought that was earth tech for the whole time and also the tesseract coming back in this movie which means that i think carol is a infinity stone no, no, no. Carol's she's powered by an infinity stone. Powered by an infinity stone, that's right. Yeah, no, she's not. Um, it's not like it's it's not like vision. Which should be interesting for her Thanos face off in the next one. Well yeah, I mean, presumably that at some point, yeah, she's gonna be depowered because of that and has to figure out how to deal with that. That's generally what happens in the second movie. Yeah. There's a pretty mountain shop which I think had the Stargate tunnel in it. I thought they and and I heard like Stargate fans, people I know are Stargate fans who came with us to the movie, kind of get excited next to us. And I was like, "Is that the Stargate tunnel?" It did look like it, but um, this was like, as far as I can tell, all shot in California, um, so like up around Death Valley and all that sort of yeah. stuff. I suspect, yeah, but still, it. I thought exactly the same thing. I was like, "This is the Stargate tunnel." When Goose first showed up and followed them around, she, uh, she was kind of giving me Mrs. Norris vibes. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the whole Goose storyline is very Crookshanks. You know, that's not really a cat, kind of. 
yeah. thing. And uh, probably Mrs. Norris isn't really a cat either. We just never get into that. <laughs> yeah, no, very, very much so. Like the, the cat is spying on you all. Yeah. So, so for me, the best comedians in this movie were old computers. There are so many <laughs> humor breaks for old computers doing stuff. So, yeah, old tech stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, that was really entertaining. Yeah, the to internet me. loading up and loading a, a an audio file on Maria's computer. Yeah, I also spotted uh, a Kelly Sue DeConnick cameo at the beginning when Carol walks through the station in LA. That uh, Kelly Sue wrote this reboot of Captain Marvel, um, and it's kind of was heavily involved in the film, I think. I kind of like how Carol has like a walk and a stance that's like particular to her. Mm. I thought that was really cool. And there's this great photo of Brie Larson on the red carpet at the at the Captain Marvel premiere where she's doing the stance with like yeah. her shoulders pulled way back that Carol does. And she has a very particular walk as well. Like mm. she's just got this uh, – you can just see her in silhouette walking somewhere and even without like the hair that she has in this you would be instantly able to tell oh that's captain marvel Mm. i thought that was really neat a very good kind of creation of character which is why one of the reasons i think it's great to cast an oscar-winning actress like brie larson in a role like this Mm -hmm. is to have that really kind of somebody who's going to really put a lot of effort into creating this character Mm -hmm. and reacting the way she would react to things and stuff. Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's some great bits in fight scenes where she just, like, you can see the delight in her face at whacking someone or kicking someone or getting out of something. Yeah. Just wonderful. Annette Benning was having fun in this movie as well as Sam Jackson. Mm, She she was. We haven't mentioned her yet, but I really enjoyed her in this. No, and another cool, like, older woman – with like gray hair like along with glenn close in these marvel in this marvel universe like there's a couple of cool older women showing up <laughs> she yeah she also dies it when she's on earth but not when she's well, she, but that's 20 it's supposed to be six years ago like it, it's she's like dead. she's stopped dying it since she left earth no but she's dead ascended to the higher plane with white hair <laughs> yeah the grain intelligence isn't her yeah, it isn't Marvel. Like no, no. she's dead. She's just impersonating so they, her. Yeah, so when, when they impersonate her, she has yeah. gray hair. But when um, when Carol she dies knew on her, she had yeah dyed hair. Yeah, which she seems to be a bit vain about because she goes, "How's my, How's hair, my hair?" Not in a bad way, but just yeah. you know, um, Jude Law also has an interesting hairline in this movie that I noticed. Jude Law has an interesting hairline in real yeah, life. <laughs> I know it's just it looked funny in a couple of scenes. There's a line that Ben Mendelsohn talks about his own beautiful blue eyes that entertained me as well. Oh, yeah, that's the bit I never got to get back to. You talked about how that the weird scene where Ben Mendelsohn and the, the lab tech look at the look at the scroll's genitals. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, that seemed – it was a really male-gazy scene in a very female-gazy film. It feels like that's something the male director decided to put in or something like that. It's really – it's a very man thing to do, to, like, ch- want to check out someone's genitals or if their genitals are in the same place as human genitals. Well, I think they were trying to – like, he was trying to compare it to himself. But it's super uncomfortable, especially since Sam Mendelssohn knows that guy, like the scroll. Ben Mendelssohn, yeah, friend. yeah. It, it is. It's it's weird. Talos. Should yeah. really call him by his Talos. Um, yeah, it's weird. That's all. The whole thing was weird. Also, right at the end when they had the um the mid credit scene, mm. that scene is probably setting up the tone friend game, which at the moment is grey and dour and miserable, which mm. is understandable, but also you know, yeah, I it's hard for me to feel it because I don't know. Well, the, this, the it's got the, it's the stakes the problem, one. and the, the fact that the first movie is only half a movie. Yeah, um, that's a pro- problem we've had since we saw that um, Infinity War. Yeah, and yeah, it hangs over it until we see Endgame. Yeah, and then Carol shows up looking very much the worst for wear. Yeah, like her hair's dishevelled and she looks very yeah. Upset um, which, as you pointed angry. out, she, half the 
the creatures on whatever planet she's been on would have died as well. So, mm. Yep. Okay, that's all the notes I have, I think. Yep. And we need to get up Some to go to another set. movie. Yep. Yeah, ratings. Yeah, um... I'm going to give this one three and a half stars. I did enjoy it a lot. It was quite fun. But I think the action stuff and things kind of hold it back a little bit for me. Like it was probably for me about as good as like some of the other. I don't know, actually. I quite like a lot of the origin story ones. Probably about the same to me as Iron Man and and First Avenger. Like I'd say they're all... Pretty similar yeah, in terms of being great. I think a bit for me, like Black Iron Panther Man. is the best, yeah. and Thor is the worst, <laughs> or Ant Man. God, but Black Panther is the best one in that it like there's a whole lot of. Uh, I enjoy when they bring in the political stuff, like the real world parallels and that sort of thing. And this one to me didn't have that kind of message as much. It was very much a more individual thing to Carol, and I know it it dealt with some feminist things, but it was more in a kind of individual way with yeah, Carol yeah, rather like than a greater punching out Jude Law after he was sent stood there lecturing her condescendingly. Yeah, and going, I don't have to prove anything to yeah. you and the smile for me yeah. and stuff. But that's more kind of a Yeah. Like her individually dealing with it. Yeah. Rather than Yeah. A, I, it's funny you say my Iron Man because I think I can see this becoming a movie like Iron Man that I'll just like put on if I just need to put something on or yeah. something comforting and easy to watch. But I'm giving it four stars because I really enjoyed it, apart from the cinematography, that which I've just got to take points off because it didn't look as good as it could have looked. So I'm taking some points off for that. But I just otherwise I had such a great time. It's such a true feeling adaptation of a comic book character that I love and I'm really, really happy with what they did here. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what they'll do next time mm. because it seems like they're going much more in the Cree direction but then they won't get to have the – good human interactions from this one so mm. it'll be interesting to see how it goes at least we get to see more ben mendelson i suppose but True. uh it, yeah that'll be an intriguing Intrig- sequel yeah i think so it'll be interesting okay thank you very much for listening to the silver screen queens podcast if you would like show notes or old episodes they're on our website silverscreenqueens.com if you like to find us on social media we're at screen underscore queens on twitter and facebook.com forward slash silver screen queens thank you very much for listening bye bye